0: It's just like doing it to camera all over again. <laughs> so, um, for the next four weeks, um, we are getting stuck into the book of Mark in the Bible. And we're also going to be uh, going back to Mark around Easter time. Um, and Mark is a great book. Um, and it's written in like bite sized, quick kind of chunks. Um, And we get told loads of stories about Jesus and his life on earth. um, And we're given a picture of what life can look for us today. And we're all invited to join in with that risky, life-giving, unpredictable adventure of following Jesus. So today uh, we are having a look at announcements. Uh, So basically in the first 15 verses of Mark, there are four announcements. We've got Isaiah... John the Baptist, God and Jesus. So four different voices at four different times, all part of the same story. Uh, We're going to focus mostly on what Jesus says today and ask some questions around um, good news and what Jesus really means by that. But the other three announcements are obviously really important um, and they're great for filling in the bigger picture around Jesus' words So that is the plan for today. Uh, If you've got a Bible, um, grab it. Otherwise, uh, our readings will be on the screen as well. So this is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. And as we read, keep an eye out for those announcements. So John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit the baptism and testing of Jesus. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Jesus announces the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So... Four announcements, and as I said, we're really going to focus in on what Jesus says in that last verse, Um, but let's have a look at the three that come before, and in each of these three there's going to be something for us to um, have a think about and um, respond to in each. So Mark starts by quoting from Isaiah, which is a book that you can find in the Old Testament part of our Bible. Um, Isaiah was a prophet who was around a massive 700 years before Jesus, and knowing this and what we're going to look at, this really helps us with um, like a really cool bit of historical background and context. So, at the time when Isaiah was doing his thing, Israel were in a mess, like in all ways. Uh, they weren't living in their homeland. Um, they were being ruled by foreign powers. Um, they didn't look like or, I, I expect, feel like God's chosen people. Like hope was hard to find. And it's into this situation that Isaiah says this. So this is Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 5. "'Comfort, comfort my people,' says your God. "'Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her "'that her hard service has been completed.' that her sin has been paid for, that she is received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. And here's the bit that Mark refers to. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Isaiah is speaking hope and good news over Israel. He's reminding them that, that God is coming, that all the promises they're holding on to are going to be fulfilled. And I imagine this is a comfort and an encouragement to the To the people, but the reality is that the Jewish people, they don't see an end to their present difficult situation for another hundred or so years, let alone waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And they live in that really difficult place that I'm sure we are all familiar with, where our reality and God's words don't seem to match up. So Israel continue to wait. For this promised saviour. They get on with their real day-to-day lives. And they wait. And wait. And wait. And I don't know about you, but I'm not good with waiting. I get impatient. Hard to believe, I know. And it gets to that point where I try to wrestle control away from God. Like it's not happening in my way, at my time. So... Do you know what? I'll take over from here. Thank you very much. But like waiting and being in that space is a really hard place to be, and I just kind of want to say that out loud and encourage you in that, and encourage us all to to keep on. I, I don't have answers, and a, I can't fix whatever situation you're in, but you're in good company, and like we. We need to stand with each other when we're in these difficult places, when we're waiting, when what God says and what we're seeing in front of us don't seem to match up. And we can be honest about that with each other and support each other. So yeah, just want to encourage you there. But yeah, if that is a place that you're in, um, do get someone to pray with you before you leave today, maybe. So when we read Mark and our verses today, it is really good to keep Isaiah in mind. So first century Jews, when Jesus shows up, and their ancestors before them, they've been waiting, imagining, speculating for a long time. And they probably reckon they've got a really good idea of what their saviour will look like. Someone to arrive, all guns blazing, I know they didn't have guns, um, ready to crush the, home, the Roman Empire, clean up the mess, and like pick them up and take them right out of the painful world that they've been living in. Then Jesus shows up and turns all of that upside down, inside out, totally on its head. But before we get to Jesus, um, let's have a look at the second announcement and uh, John the Baptist. What a guy! Absolutely bonkers. And I say that in the most respect filled way possible, but he's bonkers. And totally sold out for Jesus and the task that he was called to do, which in itself was also pretty crazy. Like, imagine being trusted with the task to get people ready for this savior that people have heard about for hundreds of years from dusty scrolls uh, who has been promised from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Like, if that is your task, I kind of think it would be easy to go one of two ways run off screaming into the distance saying, no, thank you. Or let your ego get well and truly inflated. Like, yes, this is a big job. This is mine. This is uh, what John says. This is verse 7. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Like, as I said before, what a guy! I love John the Baptist. He's so he's so sure and confident of his purpose, and that is to point people to Jesus, to let go of his own stuff, his own way. Like John the Baptist's message is, "Don't look at me, look at Jesus." And I think it's probably a good moment to ask a tricky question of ourselves as individuals and church family. Like, do we live in this John the Baptist kind of way? In that, don't look at me, look at Jesus, but I'm going to point you to him. And I think it's a big question, and maybe it's one that you might want to unpick in the week ahead. Like, have a read of John the Baptist and his story in the Bible. If you don't know where that is, Google it. Um, His story is a challenging one in so many ways. And yeah, let me know what you think. Um, Yeah, so John the Baptist, great guy. Announcement number three. Um, This is a proud parent moment where God takes time to let his boy know before he's done anything obviously saviour-like that he thinks he's awesome. And I don't know if this was just for Jesus or if others could hear it too, but either way, it's a good and important one for us to hear today. Now verse 11 says, "And a voice came from heaven, "You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased." And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Jesus knows that God loves him. But God tells him, anyway, Because this. This is what God is like. He's, he's not the hard-to-please, uptight taskmaster we often imagine. I think God really enjoys saying out loud how he feels about us as his children. And I think he's quite excited to be reminding Jesus of that here. Like, you're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. And I don't know how, um, how easy you find that to hear for yourself. Um, so again, before we get to Jesus, and we're just going to pause for a minute. And yeah, I want to encourage us, like, let's listen to God saying these words to each one of us right now. Because this is personal and it is for us and for every single one of us here. So yeah, God says to us, you are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And yeah, Father, I pray that we will hear you speak those words to us right now in this moment. Yeah, I pray that we will know that we are your children, that you love us, and that right yeah, here in this moment, you are pleased with us. So, now to Jesus. The, the three announcement, announcements, hard word to say, um, that we've looked at, Isaiah, John the Baptist and God, um, they're really helpful in filling out the context that Jesus is showing up into and what he's speaking into. So, ancient prophecies are being fulfilled. Jesus' identity is being confirmed publicly and personally and the waiting is apparently over. So this is Jesus speaking in Mark 1, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So, I don't know what you think. um, Yeah, what do you think or feel when you hear these words from Jesus? Like, do they get you excited and fired up to follow Jesus anywhere and everywhere? I could see the excitement in your eyes. <laughs> um, like to be honest, for me, the answer to that question is mm, not really. Because when I hear this verse, I think of someone in town shouting the same words at anyone who walks past. I think of like huge placards waved by angry protesters and fluorescent posters, they are always fluorescent, um, outside church buildings. And to me, these words can sound like a multi-layered threat, but I know this isn't Jesus. And yes, sometimes we have to do some... Uh, digging and unraveling of stuff to find and hear Jesus and for me I have to do that in this verse and that's not a bad thing to take on. And as we look at this there are a couple of books that I'm going to throw out there as recommendations as well as the Bible. Um, so Lisa, Lisa Sharon Harper's book The Very Good Gospel, N.T. Wright, The Day the Revolution Began, great books. Um And in the very good gospel, Lisa Sharon Harper says this. Christians are taught to think of the good news of Jesus Christ in this way. God loves us, but we're sinful. As a result, we're separated from God. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. All we have to do is believe that his death was enough and we get to heaven. And of course, this is good news. Like, it's great news. But at the same time, I I want to quietly ask, is this it, though? And not in an ungrateful, petulant kind of way, it's just that this life here on Earth, it can't just be about getting a ticket to heaven, can it? Can it? And... It makes me wonder, are we shrinking the actual good news and all the awesomeness of Jesus into a three-point prayer with a pass to the preferable side of eternal life? Like the gospel, Jesus, good news, it's got to be more than this, right? And I love this from N.T. Wright. He says, We have a vocation to pursue a calling that is far richer than simply telling other people to repent and believe in Jesus so that they can go to heaven and trying to behave ourselves while we do it. The behave ourselves bit makes me chuckle, probably because it resonates quite a lot. (laughs) And my heart just says a big yes to pursue a calling that is far richer. I really believe that following Jesus is so much more than our attempts to create formulas and rationalise what being a Christian is all about. And I think we see that in what Jesus says and what he does. So verse 15 again. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says that the time has come and that the kingdom of God has come near, which, when you think about it, is a little bit confusing. Like When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, also known as the good news, and vice versa in the Bible, sometimes he says it's here, and sometimes he says it's near. And a valid question would be, well, which one is it, Jesus? Here's a way that I have found helpful to think about it. Let's say I'm coming to your house. I'm 15 minutes away, so I send you a text letting you know that I'm near. This is very different to when I'm stood outside your front door and I text you to let you know that I'm here. Let's say your front doorbell isn't working. When I'm here, you can see me. You enjoy my fabulous self and all the good stuff I bring sat next to you on your sofa. When I'm near, you can't see me. But, and I think this is probably the important bit, you do know that I'm on my way. And that's a bit of a game changer. Because you don't just sit on your backside and wait for me. You get ready. You put the heating on. You make sure the fridge is stocked with all the things that I like. (laughs) The analogy falls down there. Um, The clever thing about Jesus and the good news of the kingdom of God is that it is both. It is here and it is near. We see Jesus and... All his good stuff in our day to day lives. We see beauty in creation. We see people giving and sharing what they have generously. We see people fighting for justice and equality. There are so many things that point us to Jesus, that he is here. And we also see that it's not all good, that the planet is quite literally burning up, that people are selfish that there's systemic injustice all over the place. And sometimes it's hard to believe that Jesus is even just a little bit near. And this might not sound like good news, but it is in there. Like, our world is a mess. Like, let's not pretend otherwise. But Jesus is here in amongst the mess. God is doing stuff to bring his kingdom nearer. And the slightly baffling thing is that God wants us to be joining him in that. And when Jesus says, repent and believe the good news, this is so much more than saying sorry and a mental agreement to everything that the Bible says. Jesus is inviting us to a new way of life a new way of thinking, a new set of priorities. Repentance is about realigning ourselves to Jesus. His way, not ours. And if we're not sure what that looks like, we look at Jesus. When Jesus was here on earth, he didn't just talk and spend his days preaching at people cozied up in a synagogue for three years solid. Jesus lived a real life and in doing so showed us what God's kingdom here and near looks like. And not just for that specific moment in time, for me and you right here today. Um, I've got another great set of words from N.T. Wright. Um, What the Bible offers is not a works contract, but a covenant of vocation. The vocation in question is that of being a genuine human being with genuinely human tasks to perform as part of the Creator's purpose for this world. Like, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Like, we're all human. We all have our human day to day lives to get on with. And we're all invited into a partnership that uses our humanness to join in with whatever God is doing. And this is always going to be a risky yes to say out loud, to go all in with God, because you never quite know what is going to happen. But God might want to create a slice of his kingdom with you on your street, in your office, in how you use your resources, uh, Or basically, wherever you put your feet and whenever you open your mouth. God wants to use all of us to create a slice of his kingdom, wherever we are, in whatever we say. And anything is possible. And so it's kind of that simple. Jesus is here, Jesus is near, and that is good news And we get to experience that, like for us, but we also get to share it. Like it's it's got to be both. We get to experience that and we also get to share it. And I'm going to finish with this quote. Uh, This is Lisa Sharon Harper. She says, Evidence of the presence of the kingdom of God is thick. Wherever people stand on the promise of God that there is more to this world, more to this life, than what we see. Evidence of the presence of the kingdom of God is thick wherever people stand on the promise of God that there is more to this world, more to this life, than what we see. Um, and that is, this is my prayer for us as individuals as church family together and yeah i'm going to pray but just want to encourage you or ask you what what's your response in all this what's what's buzzing around your head and your heart right now and although i'd love to know that your response isn't to me um it's to jesus and so you can be brutally honest with whatever is going on right now for you and yeah just want to encourage you to to do that, um, I'm going to pray, Father God, yeah thank you for your word, thank you that um yeah you are speaking to us yeah through your word through Jesus and your holy Spirit yeah jesus we we need to see you, we need to hear you yeah I pray that Today, now, in this moment, um, over the rest of this week, that we will encounter you, Jesus. And will you show us what what your good news is and where we might need to unpick that a bit? Will you help us to do that? And, yeah, will you show us that... Um, Yeah, your kingdom stuff is something for us to get excited about for us and our lives. Um, Yeah, that anything is possible with you. And yeah, that this isn't something to keep to ourselves. So I pray for boldness and confidence in your love for us and in sharing the good stuff of Jesus. Yeah, will you give us courage to trust and believe that yeah, this partnership with you is for every single one of us here. And yeah, Father, I pray for us as church together that Yeah, there will be evidence of the presence of your kingdom in us, in what we do, in what we say, in how we do life together. And that, yeah, people will see that there is more to this world, more to this life than what is right in front of us. So, yeah, Holy Spirit, will you open our eyes, will you open our hearts and minds We help us to see you. Amen.